The University of Auckland is home to Waipapa Marae. Nearby is the Faculty of Māori Studies. The meeting house Tāne Nuiarangi hosts students and visitors throughout the year. Carved by Pākāriki Harrison, the Whare Nui and its name is a tribute to Ngāti Whātua Ki Orake as the local tangata whenua. And it's here that I meet up with Dr Daniel Hikurua, an Earth Systems scientist. But maybe the scientist part of his job description doesn't quite fit in with his work today, as he explains. I've, I've struggled with this question uh, for some time. I think to describe myself as a scientist is an, is an inadequate description of, of the work I do. I think the best word, uh, the best phrase or the best kind of approach now that I describe myself is as an, an Earth Systems scientist and increasingly I'm dropping the scientist out of the Earth Systems part. And Earth Systems, although clearly uh, drawing from my, my geology background, yes. is, a, is an approach to looking at the world that says, look, it's a whole host of interconnected interactions in a systems framing, and whereas geology and geography and chemistry and biology are all contributors to understanding, they do so in a siloed fashion, Mm. which is an abstraction from reality and not consistent with how the world actually works. Dan has a Bachelor of Science majoring in Geology and a PhD in Geology. Kia Manawarua na Akina o Tūrua is the National Science Resilience Programme. It's a joint project between 11 organisations that include the National Institute of Water and Atmospheric Research, or NIWA, GNS Science and various universities. The challenge has four streams or co-creation laboratories to inform their research focus, rural, urban, mātauranga Māori and the edge, or for communities that live in coastal areas. With over 100 scientists involved in the National Resilience Programme, Daniel Hikurua is part of the mātauranga Māori team. He's passionate about working with communities to study and research environment hazards while understanding the local knowledge te reo, histories and stories from local iwi and hapu. E teiti, e te rahi, koutoura ngā kaiwhakarongo, anai rā te wahanga o Tiahika. Kwauta koutou kaiwhakarite. This is Tiahika on RNZ National. I'm Justine Murray. Dan started out as a student at the University of Auckland some 20 years ago. I was undertaking my PhD in 1999, um, but was also employed as a as a lecturer at that time, just you know helping out, and have been um, had a number of roles within the university since then. I had a postdoc looking at climate change in the ancient past as part of a 140 strong international team, all focused on um, looking at rocks of of a certain age that showed that the oceans went through a period of kind of of significant dying following a rapid warming event in the ancient past. Um, and then I had a role in a research institute called the Institute of Earth Science and Engineering, and the main kaupapa for that institute was geothermal. So trying to um, trying to harness the, the, the powers and, and the energy of, of geothermal 
Um, and concurrently, actually, with my PhD, it's, it's, it's tika for me to mention that I taught for three years at Awanui Arangi on the Bachelor of Environmental Studies program. And, and yeah, and that's, that, was, that was formative for me in introducing me to Ngā Mia or, or te mātauranga i te taha o te science. It was there that kind of opened my eyes up to new ways of seeing, new ways of knowing. Well, in fact, new to me, but very old. And I was encouraged um, during my time at, at Awanui Arangi, you know, teaching plate tectonics, uh, which can only be plate tectonics, but concurrently if there was some mātauranga that looked at those same phenomena, to include that as part of, of, of the teachings. And so that also was... Uh, an amazing opportunity and an amazing experience, and I need to acknowledge some of those beautiful people down there who were so giving with with their understanding and their knowledge. And very often, I shifted out of the role of kayako to the akunga. <laughs> <laughs> Up until that time, had you explored well matauranga Māori, or had it been very skewed? I wouldn't say I had given any um, strategy or rigour to my exploration of, of Mātauranga until, until that point. Mm. And so, yes, I, I finished up there when I, when I wrapped up my PhD and then took the role in the Institute of Earth Science and Engineering. And my ability to fulfil that role was significantly enabled by my relationships that I had with, with whānau down in, um, in the Bay of Plenty that I had established through working at Te Whariwana or Awanui Arangi. And so that was an amazing opportunity to keep working with, with those community groups, with those individuals. Dan spent five years at the Institution of Earth, Science and Engineering, and during this time he secured two research projects through the Centre of Research Excellence, Ngā Pai o Te Maramatanga. One was restoring Māori, to Rotoitipaku with Nati Tuwharetoa Kikawero, and a separate research project called Harvesting the Fruits of Papatuanuku. That looked into kaitiakitanga, or a caretaker approach to geothermal development. Dan held the position of research director with Ngā Pai o Te Maramatanga for four years. So since that time, I've had roles within the university, initially in anthropology, um, and now I'm a senior lecturer in Te Wānanga Waipapa in the Māori Studies Programme. Is there any, any one project that kind of sticks out to you in terms of um, your work? Because would you describe yourself as a, as a scientist if we're talking about earth sciences? Earth systems, although clearly drawing from my, my geology background, yes. is, a, is an approach to looking at the world that says, look, that it's a whole host of interconnected interactions in a systems framing and whereas geology and geography and chemistry and biology are all contributors to understanding they do so in a siloed fashion mm. which is an abstraction from reality and not consistent with how the world actually works. So with you it's all interconnected? It's all interconnected and what what that also slotted very nicely into my my thinking and my approach was that that's also a te ao Māori view of the world. And so they were not incompatible in their conception of how things worked. Is that what we're kind of talking about, how the geothermal activity is, is connected to Papatuanuku? Right. And so one of uh, the projects that I uh, was, was successful in attaining through Ngā Pāo Te Maramatanga um, talked about... Uh, 
ngahuna or papatonoku, you know, the fruits of, of papatonoku. And, and so that's how we framed the, you know, geothermal energy. And we looked at how any Māori group, whether it be whānau, hapu, iwi, ahu, whenua, post-settlement, tamea, 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 mm. uh, we're looking to engage in, oh, this is, a, this is an, an energy source. How might we engage in um, realising some electricity from it? Or how might we look with providing heat for... Homes flooring because floor. there's nafa and exactly some and and, and everything in between. What we had found was that industry was, on the whole, driving that conversation, and things that were important to to Maori groups were either being ignored or really minimised in in their approaches. And so, what was really important was that we were able to incorporate matauranga. Uh, a Māori worldview, concepts of that are dear to us, kaitiakitanga, tinoranga tiratanga, manaakitanga, uh, were able to be incorporated into either aspirations for for realising uh, some additional value from, from those ngāwha, from those um, waiariki puna pia, as well as incorporating a kaitiaki approach to tapping into those 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 taonga, they, they, they literally, and, and the challenge was how do you how do you conceptualise something which is a taonga tuku iho and, and and undertake development so as to ensure that the taonga is not negatively impacted moving forward, yet a further benefit may be derived from from using it. Um, Papatonuku being our mother, providing for us, and it was simply a way that we hadn't hitherto engaged in her providing for us. Yet the industry approach didn't have that worldview. It was about cost-benefit analyses. It was about how much we could extract. Uh, capitalism. And capitalism. And their framings were more in decades as opposed to intergenerationally, which is which is a very strong Last longer, Maori let's get approach. Some sustainability. Exactly. You know, um, and I'll give you an example of that long view, and it's not a geothermal one, but Wakatu have a five hundred year plan. Not just a vision, not just a dream, they have a five hundred year plan. And that's the type of thinking that I wanted to get the geothermal industry aware of. Wide RK the geothermal power station near near Taupo, yes. you know that's that's been going for sixty years now, and many of the engineers and the geothermal geologists are very proud of the fact that it's still going and it still looks like it will have a future. I I, I share uh, that yes, this is great with them. That this is great that we've got it to this point. The real test will be, you know, will 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 the home people's grandchildren's grandchildren also be enjoying the benefits of that risk. That will be the true test. And so if we then think away from Wairake and we think to Tuaropaki has a joint venture mm-hmm. agreement with with what well, was Mighty River Power, I think it's Mercury Energy now, for the development of the Mokai uh, geothermal field. And they are very much in that in that long game. They have incorporated, I believe, uh, Matauranga into 
be a management plan and into their strategy. In 2011, the Reno cargo ship ran aground on the Astrolab Reef, resulting in a major oil spill described as the worst maritime environmental disaster in New Zealand. Oil washed ashore at Mount Monganui Beach and containers with hazardous materials washed ashore at Motiti Island. Following the grounding, a research study was conducted into restoring the Modi. Modi to mean life force or life principle. The research used Dr. Kepa Morgan's Modi model to assess the state of the environment. The Modi-ometer assessed the environmental, cultural, social and economic well-being. My connection with it is that I had a PhD student who undertook a lot of work uh, principally for Ngāti Makino, and so back to that mana debate, the work he did reflected a Ngāti, mani, um, Ngāti Makino uh, a Te Arawaki Tai perspective. There is more than one perspective on this on this really important kaupapa, mm. um, but I need to preface it by saying Donna, this yeah. was this was the, the view of, of so the home people. So an iwi's perspective. Aye. An iwi perspective. And, and, as, an, as a descendant of that iwi. And yes, uh, uh, Tumanako, uh, Ngā Fa'ui, is, is a descendant of, of, of Ngāti Makino. Um, I, have, I have a Te Arawa link, um, but it was important that um, Tumanako was the, the appropriate person with Whakapapa and the appropriate person with, with the Pukinga. Um, and the other supervisor for that project was uh, Dr. Kepa Morgan. Yes. Um, and he was formerly of the uh, Faculty of, of Engineering at the University of Auckland. And so Tumanako undertook work with the home people to determine what the indicators for them of, of a flourishing Modi. Now, Modi is one of those really, it's, it's an intangible um, thing. There is, there is no standard unit for Modi. Uh, instead, and it's been beautifully shared with me by my beautiful kaumātua, Ririata Makiha, that Modi is a matangaro. It's, it's an invisible face. You, you, you don't touch it, you cannot grasp it, um, but there are indicators, there are tohu in, in the environment to tell you whether Modi is, is flourishing or whether Modi is languishing or being really heavily suppressed. That was the work that Tumanako did. He sat with the home people and he says, Kōrero mai ngāhua uh, o taiti, o te moana toi. And, and I think I also, it is ticker for me to mention the, the immense work of, of Raywin and Pierre Bennett in ensuring that Modi was part of the long-term environmental recovery plan for the Rena. They sat in those early discussions and they said, we need to restore this, we need to restore that. And they said, oh, we've actually got a word for all of those things you're talking about. It's called Modi. And so the, even just the ability for, for the focus of the work to be on Modi um, and then all those scientific measurements, which are critical, yeah. but they all fell under that, under that program and under that umbrella of, of restoring Modi. And so Tumanako worked with the home people and we determined what the indicators were and then we were able to determine what the relative states of Modi were before the Rena, Rena ground, yes, and yes. then after, and then um, sequentially for a number of years after it. And so 
the clarification we should make is that we never contributed to the revitalising and the flourishing of the Māori. We contributed to an understanding of how the Māori might be flourishing or revitalising. Um, yeah, that's an important distinction to make. And you know what? One of the none of us could have predicted the remarkable uh, resilience of Tangaroa Miona Uri. They mm. just, you know, when the decision was made to leave the, to the, the remainder of the wreck on, on the seafloor, you know, we couldn't have foreseen that as researchers, and that's another important point to make, is that it's really not our views that are important. Our role is to enable the home people to understand fully the, the situation they find themselves in, whether it's realising a dream, for geothermal yeah. aspirations, or whether it's facing a significant challenge, you know, New Zealand's worst maritime environmental disaster, which was the Rena. And our job is to enable the home people to understand the complexity of, of that, but then be able to break it down so that they can begin to conceptualise how they might move forward. Uh, ko Ofafe te maunga, ko Waitomo te awa. Ko toki kapu te marae, ko ngati te maui te hapu, me ngati rua puha, me ngati uikaha ngā hapu hoki, ko ngati manipoto te iwi, ko Dan Hukuro toka ingoa. Kia ora, Dr Dan Hukuroa. And a few achievements from the Mātauranga Māori team include assisting iwi and hapu develop emergency plans, helping coastal iwi implement tsunami adaption strategies, and producing Indigenous knowledge publications. Think stories, traditional waiata, and even new concepts and words in Te Reo Māori. Tauke. When we think of seafood, kaimoana, you probably can't go past the Chatham Islands. Known for its seafood and farming, it was home to Christy Lee Thomas before she left to pursue an education and a career in science. She studied geology at the University of Canterbury and did courses in disaster risk reduction and natural hazards. She then went on to study for her master's degree in disaster risk and resilience. Today she works as a scientist at the Puel GNS Science in Lower Hutt. I grew up on Whatakauri and I... Yeah, was always brought up around the environment and taught, you know, the ways of kaitiangitanga and um, being observant of things going around. It's a pretty awesome place to grow up. So your everything, your lifestyle is is around the environment. So um, the main industries are fishing and farming. Um, it's pretty low lying, but there are high elevation points on the island. Um, there's a large lagoon that makes up most of the island. It's a beautiful place. Um, I started studying geology, which I really enjoyed because I really enjoyed finding out the the processes that were going on in the environment, um, the science behind them. I was living in Christchurch during high school and during university, so maybe the Christchurch earthquakes also sort of influenced me to go that way, on that path. In 1868, a tsunami struck the Chatham Islands. Here, Christy Lee talks about her research. The tsunami came from Chile, so it was generated at something like 10.15 in the morning on Chatham Island time, but it took about 15 hours 
to get to the Chatham Islands. So there were accounts of the tides being abnormally low that afternoon, wow. and so they all went to bed and carried on as per usual. But at 1.15am, the first tsunami um, wave arrived. And you're right, the, a tsunami is a series of waves, so it's not just one but a number mm. of them. The first tsunami hit um, Tupangi and woke some people, and some people must have escaped, but there were two more large waves that followed, and these were about six metres in height. Um, so, yeah, pretty destructive. I started out um, to do a thesis because I wanted to do something useful. I wanted to gather some information that was useful to the people on the Chatham Islands to help reduce tsunami risk. And so I talked, at the start of my project, I talked to iwi representatives, I talked to um, emergency management, talked to infrastructure personnel, and there were a range of sort of needs or information gaps um, about tsunami, and one of them was an, a lack of understanding, of a full understanding of tsunami hazard for the Chatham Islands. Um, so where tsunami come from, how often they occur, um, where they inundate, and what's happened in the past. And because this understanding of of tsunami is is sort of the foundation of what we can do after that to try and reduce impacts or reduce risk. So you need to know about the hazard um, before you um, consider what assets are exposed, um, what people are exposed and what we can do about it. Um, so I started investigating um, around what was what was already there, what was documented, and then the potential of what might be in oral history or in Mataranga Māori uh, knowledge of tsunami in the Chathams because um, on the Chathams, the population, there's only 600 people, but I think it's around, it's more than 50% are Māori, 59% identify as Māori, with the remainder as European or Pacific Islanders. I wanted to investigate whether there was some knowledge in in passed down through generations of tsunami that would help us um, understand a little bit more. What, what were some of those um, stories or traditional knowledge that you learned from the people there? Yeah, so um, I did some research around what other people have done before me in terms of um, looking to Mataranga Māori and Māori knowledge of tsunamis in New Zealand. Um, and, yeah, events can be recorded through Purako or Mōtiatia, Pepeha, Whakatauke and Waiata. Um, so I looked for those and I didn't find much that was in archives and things like that. So I went to talk to Komatua and to people. I knew most of those Komatua, so I had I had trust from them mm. and I was lucky that they were willing to share their knowledge. Um, and so in Tupuangi, there were a pākāinga or a village there and... There were about 70 people that lived there at the time and the tsunami struck and what we didn't know previous to talking to these komatoa was that there were more fatalities than we originally thought. In documented accounts in the scientific literature, there's only one documented death in recent tsunami history in New Zealand and this was a name, a man named Makare and he um, died while trying to save a fishing boat on the Chatham Islands at nearby Tupongi. But actually, through talking to Komatoa, we found that there may have been three families that actually passed away during this event. So 
um, he was told where they were buried, um, how many they had found after the tsunami. They didn't find all the bodies. Yeah, that, that was quite devastating for those people. Gathering stories and research about the tangata whenua who lived at the Chathams during that time proved to be difficult because many of them moved away. 400 Māori returned home to Taranaki and yeah, I've seen documented accounts that the population was then reduced to 160 people. So that's a massive proportion of the population that had, that had taken knowledge with them. Um, they were sent, well they sort of, the government gave them a hand and sent them back to Taranaki where they went to Bell Rock um, and apparently got jobs on industrial farms. Is there much written about the tsunami in 1868 that you came across in your research? Yeah, so there's a lot from newspapers. So, mm. yeah, the, the knowledge was sort of passed around the island, I guess, and people were told about things and then they were told to sailors who then jumped on the ship and took it back to New Zealand and it was published in newspapers. So most of the stories come from sort of second-hand experiences, I guess you could say. And so that's why there is sort of a little bit of um, uncertainty around the number of deaths that occurred in this event because, you know, some newspapers said one person died, others said, um, you know, some Māori died and then you might have another one that said, you know, a few natives died. So you don't really, yeah, the newspapers are uh, uncertain in the number, the actual number of deaths. The tsunami occurred in 1868. I asked Christy Lee if this could happen again. Whakakauri, the Chathams and Aotearoa New Zealand are exposed on all sides along all coastlines to impact from local, regional and distant source tsunami. So um, the important thing about science and research is that you know we look and we look to these past events to figure out you know where tsunami are likely to come from what how big they might be and what impacts they might have and so it's really important to to look at what's happened in the past and that's where the Masaranga Māori aspect comes in and it's really important because New Zealand only has a very short history of um, tsunami recorded or documented in our scientific literature so we're starting to sort of dive a bit deeper into into Mataranga Māori because our ancestors have ex- had experiences with tsunami events um, before Pākehā arrived and there were big events during the 13th the 12th to 17th centuries um, that Bruce McVagin wrote a book about and these impacted Māori communities and so um, knowledge has been passed down of these events and it's important to know about you know, where they came from or how big they were and so that we can be ready for a next one. I'm only an early sort of career researcher and I'm not an expert in this in Masaranga Māori and its relationship with science but I've sort of just started to paddle around in, sure. I guess in shallow waters guided by my supervisors who have much more experience than I do but I sort of I think it has a very important role to play in science, and um, we need to we need to be cautious about um, how we do our research and doing it the right way, using the decolonizing sort of methodologies, um, and and not well sort of correcting history, but bringing to light that important information that that people hold for the greater for the greater good, I guess. Ka ka 
ko Pepe Tarawai tuku maunga, ko Manga Tukurewa tuku awa, ko Rangi Matawai tuku waka, ko Pātangaro Pākainga, ko Ngāti Mūtunga tuku iwi no Whakakauri a hau. Engari ko te awa kairangi tuku kainga nai nei, ko te Whariwananga o Waitaha tuku Puna Motoronga, uh, ko Joseph tuku mātua, ko Shelley tuku whaia, ko Jake tuku tungange, and ko Christy Lee tuku ingoa. Kia ora, Christy Lee Thomas, scientist based at Te Pūau, GNE Science in Wellington. And we heard earlier from senior lecturer and scientist Dr Dan Hukurua. He mihi tēnei kia korua tahi. Ko tai mai ki te mutunga o tēnei hōtaka, ko te tumanako e noho pai ana e koutou i roto i o koutou kainga maha. That's the show for another week. Make sure to join us next Sunday. Kia pai tā koutou wiki e tū mai nei. Heiko nā mai.